really sort of communicates some vision that we feel like God has given us as a church corporately, um, as well as what we feel called to in this next season of life as a church. So why don't you turn your attention to the screens, and then I'll come back. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than we could ever ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us, Ephesians 3.20. What does it look like for a church to believe, for God to do exceedingly abundantly and above more than we could ever ask or imagine? I believe that church, it looks like a church that's worshiping God with passion and believing God for the impossible. I see a church that looks like heaven, people from different racial, cultural, socioeconomic backgrounds coming together under the banner of Jesus. I see a church that's reaching people with the good news of Jesus Christ and where lives are being transformed by the power of the Holy Spirit. I see a church where kids and students love to attend. I see a church where children's full potential is developed in God and they live on purpose. I see a church where the lonely are placed in spiritual family, where people find freedom and hope in Christ. I see a church where people's unique individual callings are developed so that they can live it out every day of their lives. I see a church where people are developed and equipped to live out their faith in every aspect of life, in every sphere of influence they find themselves in. I see leaders in business, education, medicine, government, and throughout our communities, bringing transformation in Jesus' name. I see a church as making a tangible difference in our community, reaching out to those who are most vulnerable and serving the least of these. I see a church that's not only having a local impact, but a church that's having a global impact through partnerships all over the world, glorifying Jesus Christ wherever we go. I see a church that's led by the Holy Spirit and surrendered to Jesus Christ. I see a church that's not limited by merely what is possible, but truly believes God for the impossible. This is the type of church that I believe God sees in Catalyst Church. And we are stepping in, Catalyst, into a new season. Uh, this next season, we are calling Believe. Really to go back to that Ephesians 3.20 scripture, that we are believing that the same God who did exceedingly abundantly and above before is going to do it again. And we feel specifically God calling us to three major areas. Uh, number one is expansion. We, we feel that God is calling us to find a permanent home here in the Washington DC metropolitan area, specifically that Bethesda, North Bethesda area. We feel it's time uh, to find a home, time to, to step into a place and space that we can expand our ministry, reach more people with the good news of Jesus, see more people find spiritual family, or as we say here at Catalyst, know God, find freedom, discover their purpose, and make a difference. We believe we're raising up a generation of leaders in our children and student ministries. What is happening right now in our next-gen ministries is nothing short of a move of God, and I know this is just the beginning. We envision a world-class environment where children and students can come uh, and, and encounter God, develop God-first friendships, and reach their God-given potential. Our last area of focus is on mission. You know, since day one, we have been a church that did not merely want to reside in a community, but bless a community. And we've done that since day one. By moving into a permanent home, it will enable us to do that in ever-increasing ways, to have more effective serve days, to have more frequent outreaches in our community. We'll also be able to invest more in our online experience. I'm amazed every month I hear stories of people from all over the world who watch Catalyst online. They worship with us online. Uh, lastly, this permanent home will serve for us uh, to be a hub, to train and develop leaders to plant and start other Catalyst church locations. Since day one, we have felt a calling to be a church of many locations around the Washington metropolitan area and beyond, and this home will serve as that place to be able to send out others to start locations to better reach and serve our community. Church, we truly feel like God is calling us to take a step of faith and believe Him to do exceedingly, abundantly, and above more than we can ever ask, think, or imagine. And I want to invite you to take a step with us and let's see God do exceedingly, abundantly, and above 
more than we can ever ask or imagine. We love you, church. Come on, if you're excited for the vision that God has for us, can you make some noise? So we are stepping into a season we are calling Believe. Uh, we are believing God to do exceedingly and abundantly and above more than we could ever ask, think, or imagine, uh, specifically to take some significant steps to finding a permanent home. Uh, if you are excited about Catalyst having a permanent home, can you make some noise one more time? Come on. And let me say this, as with everything in our church, can I just say this? A permanent facility, a home for us, is just a tool to impact more lives. We as a church are not about buildings. We are not about locations. We are not about cameras. We are about lives being transformed by the gospel of Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen. And he uses natural things to bring about a supernatural work that we could not do on our best day. And that's what we're believing for as a church together. So this series uh, is really a kicking off of a season, uh, and we're going to talk a little more about some specifics uh, towards the end of today's message, uh, but really wanted to share with you from Scripture out of a passage that God began to speak to us at the end of last year and really through this year regarding the next season of Catalyst Church. And it is Joshua chapter 3 is where we're going to be today. And here's why I want you to lean in. Because I believe this, uh, that spiritually speaking, when you are part of a local church, uh, and if you aren't new to Catalyst again, welcome to Catalyst Church, uh, but if you are a part of a local church, that what is God is doing corporately in the church, I believe he wants to do individually in your life. I believe he wants to do exceedingly abundantly and above in the life of our church, and he wants to do that in your life as well. And I want to talk today from the passage of Joshua 3, because what we see in Joshua 3 uh, is that God does exceedingly abundantly and above in the life of the Israelite people, uh, in the life of Joshua, that is still impacting us today. And we're going to talk through that today. In fact, I've entitled today's message, Wet Feet. Some of you got uncomfortable because feet make you uncomfortable. You are in good company. Feet should disgust you. But... Here's, here's a thought I want to submit to you, is that God loves wet feet, <laughs> because when, what we're going to see in this passage is that when the Israelites stepped into the Jordan, allowing their feet to get wet at flood stage, it communicated to God that they trust him even in the face of what seemed to be an insurmountable circumstance. And can I submit this to you today, that we serve a God who is in the business of making the improbable or the impossible possible. And I've said this before, I'm going to keep saying it. We as Catalyst Church, you're going to hear today, if you're new to Catalyst, you're going to hear a lot about our story. For many of you, this will be review. But this church, I want you to hear this. If you hear nothing else, hear this. This church, since its inception on January 27, 2019... And a few of you in this room were there. This, it was very cold that day. Come on, somebody. Uh, that this church has not been a move of man or woman, but a move of God. Right. And we are following his leadership, and we are believing this is just the beginning. If you believe it, can you say amen? amen. So let's look into scripture this morning as we dive into this series and uh, and this text, honestly, one of my favorite texts in the Bible. Uh, but first, let's pray. Uh, Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you that it's truly a lamp unto our feet. It is a light unto our path. Uh, we pray as we open it up today, Father, that you would, well, we know you're going to speak to us. And we just posture our hearts, our minds, our spirits to receive from you today. It's in the name of Jesus. And everybody said... Amen. Joshua 3, if you have your Bibles, if not, they'll be on the screens here. Um, to give context, Joshua had just taken over uh, from the leadership of Moses. Uh, of course, Moses was a beloved leader uh, of the Israelites. Uh, you know, of course, you're going to love somebody who frees you from slavery. Come on, somebody. <laughs> and he, you know, through him, God parted the Red Sea. 
but now Joshua is taking over. And you know what I love about this? And I, and I hope you, you glean it, because many of you in this room, uh, you work for our federal government. You work at NIH, at Walter Reed. Uh, you work uh, downtown. Or even if you work in business or education, why I love Joshua's story is because it shows God speaking to, moving in, and leading the life of someone who's leading in government. Can I just help someone today? God is bigger than the four walls of a church. Can I get amen? Meaning this, in the same way God spoke to Joshua, God can speak to you about your career at the NIH. God can speak to you about your restaurant business. God can speak to you about your calling to teach children. God can speak to you about your leadership in our federal government. Can I get amen? amen. All of the earth is his. His kingdom is not confined. All right, it's not my notes. Let me get back. But Joshua 3 is, is, is a is a significant moment because they are being called, they are being asked to cross the Jordan River. Uh, so let's read in verse one. It says this, early in the morning, Joshua and all of the Israelites set out from Shittim and went to the Jordan where they camped before crossing over. After three days, the officers went throughout the camp giving orders to the people. When you see the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord your God and the Levitical priests carrying it, you are to move out from your positions and follow it. Then you will know which way to go since you have never been this way before. But keep a distance of about 2,000 cubits between you and the Ark and do not go near it. Joshua told the people, consecrate yourselves for tomorrow the Lord will do amazing things among you. Joshua said to the priest, take up the Ark of the Covenant, pass on ahead of the people. So they took it and went ahead of them. Verse eight says this, tell the priests who carry the Ark of the Covenant, when you reach the edge of the Jordan waters, go and stand in the river. He then said, come and listen to the words of the Lord your God. This is how you will know the living God is among you, and he will certainly drive out before you the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Hivites, the Perizzites, the Gergesites, the Amorites, and the Jebusites. Those are great middle names for your children. Just a side note there, especially the one you don't like. You know what I'm saying? Come on, somebody. I'll move on. See the Ark of the Covenant, the Lord of all your earth, will go into the Jordan ahead of you. Now then, choose 12 men from the tribes of Israel in each of the tribes. Verse 13, as soon as the priests the ark, carried the Ark of the Lord and the Lord of all the earth, set foot in the Jordan, watch this, its waters flowing downstream will be cut off and stand up in a heap. I'm going to share with you three thoughts from this passage. And throughout, I'm going to share our story as a church. Uh, again, for some of you, this will be review. You have been a part of this history. For some of you, this will be brand new. Uh, but here's my hope as well. You will be inspired to walk into the next season God has for you in your life. Here's the first point. If you're taking notes, I want you to, to write this down, is that for us to walk into our next season, we must first remember what God has done. Joshua 2, actually, the scripture before, the chapter before, they send spies into the promised land. This is a land that God had promised the Israelites since the beginning of, of, of time, really. He had promised this land for them. So they send some spies, and they're in the house of a woman named Rahab. Uh, complete side note, about a year ago, we did a message around Rahab. She's a great person to do a message around uh, because she did not live, culturally speaking, the most upstanding of a life, uh, but God still chose her and worked through her. Aren't you grateful God's not limited by your past? And she says to them, She's talking to these spies, and I love this because she says in verse 10, we have heard how the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea. For when you came out of Egypt and what you did in Sihon and Og, the two kings of the Amorites east of Jordan, whom you completely destroyed. And when we heard it, our hearts melted in fear and everyone's courage failed because of you. For the Lord, your God, is God in heaven above and on the earth below. At the end of chapter two, the spies go back to Joshua and they are full of faith. 
Because they said these people, have, they're, 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 they're afraid of us because they have heard what God has done. But actually, Rahab reminded them of what God had done. Can I tell you, there is something powerful happens in your life, especially when it comes to your faith, when you remember God's faithfulness in your life. I love what Habakkuk said in Habakkuk 3.2. Of course, Habakkuk is a common scripture. Many of you know, he says, write the vision, make it plain so those who read it can run with it. He says this, I have heard all about you, Lord. I am filled with awe by your amazing works. In this time of our deep need, help us again as you did in years gone by. You know, I believe one of the ways the enemy tries to thwart the work of God in your life is he gets you to have a short-term memory. He gets you to forget God's faithfulness over the course of years. See, he wants you to forget the fact that the spouse that you have been married to now for the past five years, that years ago, you were one day praying for that spouse, believing God for that miracle. And the enemy wants you to forget that one day they were a prayer on your knees, that they are a miracle from God. And he wants you to be frustrated with the blessing. He wants you to forget that that job you now have in the NIH or in your business or in education, that one day you were thanking God, that God moved on your behalf. He wants you to forget how God provided you that miracle baby. He wants you to forget how God healed your aunt of that disease. He wants you to forget of God's faithfulness. Here's why. Because when you remember the faithfulness of God, it gives you an increase of faith for what God can do. Because in that moment, what they heard from Rahab, they're like, oh yeah, he parted the Red Sea, then he can part the Jordan River now. Some of you, I'm going to challenge you, go home this afternoon, get up tomorrow morning, and write down all of the things God has done. Some of you have to remind yourself what God saved you from. You got to remember your life before Christ, how hopeless you were, how you lacked peace, how you were so discouraged. You got to stir your faith and remember God's faithfulness of your life. Can I give a challenge to those in the room? Maybe you're new to faith. You said, Jeremy, this is great, but I'm brand new to this Jesus thing. Come on. Can I encourage you? Lean on the faithfulness of God in other people's lives. Hear other people's stories. Allow that to encourage you. Can I encourage you with God's faithfulness in our church? We uh, started Catalyst Church, I mentioned, in January 2019. And uh, I remember back our first, actually, this, this weekend, uh, four years ago, we had our first ever, we had like a pre-launch event. We called it a launch party. And uh, we, it was actually two years ago, two days ago, that it actually happened. But I remember our first ever event we had as a church. And we had a launch party, and you all know this, come on, the first miracle Jesus ever performed, he turned H2O into Merlot at a party. So we wanted to be biblical, so our first event was a party. Come on, somebody. Don't you love Jesus, right? Come, I mean, if, if you, listen, what other, like, you know, he's good, he's good. Uh, so we had our first party, I remember, I remember it was pouring the rain, it was like Noah Ark flood rain. Like, it was like just everyone's coming in, like just dripping wet. Like, you got to wear a poncho and like poncho pants to like not be soaked. I thought to myself, man, this ain't going to happen. No one's going to show up. Like, this church ain't going to get off the ground. The dream is going to be killed. And uh, 109 people showed up on that first event we had. Some of you in this room were there. And uh, thank you, God, for believing in this before there ever was this. Um, and uh, can I tell you too, Catalyst Church is not a story about Jeremy and Christina stepping out in faith. It's about the people of God stepping out in faith. On a side note, listen, God never gives you a vision just for you, yourself, and I, or you, yourself, and whatever that other term would be. Uh, he gives you a vision for you to go along with people. Isolated Christianity does not exist in the Bible. It does not. And a vision just about yourself does not exist, scripturally speaking. It's always about people. So people stepped out in faith. And of course, January 19, uh, 2019, we had hundreds of people show up on our first Sunday. And most importantly, 25 people made a decision to follow Jesus on that first day. 
and uh, we were off and, and running. Our first birthday Sunday in, in January of 2020, we had close to 400 people show up. Uh, we were growing. If so, many of you were with us back at the Bethesda Road Cinema. Come on. How many thank God we don't have sticky floors anymore? Come on. <laughs> you know you're a church plant when you're like, wait a minute, my left foot's stuck. I can't get it. <laughs> thank you for those who showed up then. You had faith. Come on. You walked by faith and not by sight. Come on. Uh, and March 12, 2020, we actually, we were looking for a larger location on that day. Does March 12, 2020 ring a bell to anyone in this room? I got home from looking at a brand new location and Governor Larry Hogan came on the television and said, I'm shutting down the state of Maryland. I said, okay, give it a few weeks. We'll be good. Come on. 13 months later. <laughs> But can I tell you, uh, and there's been so much, so much pain, and, and not minimizing the pain and the heartache uh, that happened during the pandemic, but can I tell you for the church of Jesus Christ, and specifically our expression here at Catalyst Church, what the enemy meant for evil, God turned for good. We began reaching people through our online services that even still people come to our church. We, were, we started watching you in 2020. And, uh, we, we began to increase our outreach. Some, some of you remember this. Like every other week, we were delivering meals to nurses and medical professionals, and uh, we were doing so much outreach. We had more people in community groups. Come on, shout out groups. Than we ever had. It was, and then we came back in 2021, and uh, honestly, kind of wondering, like, who, who's going to come back? I don't know. It's gonna, it was 13 months. We hadn't had weekly worship services and uh, many of you did, and we became one church in two locations, uh, both here in Bethesda and online. And then this year has been a year of just exponential growth as a church. Uh, one sort of mile marker that was significant, Easter Sunday, many of you were here. Uh, we had on one Sunday 589 people, and here's what's most importantly, 52 people made a decision to follow Jesus on Easter Sunday. Aren't you grateful that God is still in the business of resurrecting lives? Now, see, if, if one of those 52 was your cousin or your spouse, you would have clapped louder. Uh, you wouldn't have given us a golf clap. Oh, that's nice. Uh, but lives were changed. God has been faithful to our church. Do you believe it? It's important that we remember it. So I want to encourage you to take some time and remember God's faithfulness in your life and take a moment to celebrate that the Bible says this in Psalms 118. This is the day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. Uh, can I tell you why we, we clap, why we sing loud, while I dance on the front row and sweat a little bit? Come on, somebody. It's because the Bible says this is the day the Lord has made. I don't know what this day may entail. I don't know what this week might entail, but I know the one who made it. So can I tell you, I can praise God regardless of my circumstances because my praise is not contingent upon my circumstances because he's the one who made the day. Take a moment to celebrate. We believe in the discipline of celebration. Can I give you two, two simple numbers I want to celebrate as a church because we have been a church since day one that have, you know this, if you've been around, we didn't want to merely reside in a community. We wanted to bless a community. So if you don't know this, we as a church, even on a practical level, financially, which we cover this in Next Steps, which I would encourage if you have not come to Next Steps, you'll hear a lot more about this, that we budget every year 10% of our income, we just give it away outside of these, these four walls. We, most of it's right here in the DC area, but we partner with folks all around the world. Since our church started, we have given away, meaning outside of Catalyst Church, hasn't gone to any ministry in the church, it's gone outside these four walls. Watch this, $224,687. We have been able to give to missions and outreach to God be the glory. This is why Montgomery County Coalition for the Homeless told us last year we are by far their largest supporters in all the county. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. This is the number I'm most excited about, though, because at the end of the day, can I tell you, listen, we, we, do, we do all these good things in our community in Jesus' name, but at the end of the day, listen, if we are only about meeting practical needs, but we disregard people's spiritual needs, we are doing people a disservice. Just to be clear, 
We are not a just nonprofit who does community development work. We are the church of Jesus Christ. And we believe that heaven and hell are realities. We believe that this, this life here on earth, as James says, is but a vapor, that most of our life is in eternity. So at the end of the day, what we are about, our primary purpose is to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. And since day one, 774 unique people have made a decision to either commit or recommit their life to Jesus Christ, to God be the glory. We celebrate that. And can I tell you, you need to celebrate some things in your life. You need to celebrate that promotion you got this year. You need to celebrate the fact that maybe your child did well in school this past week. Take, take some time to celebrate the goodness of God in your life. Come on, you know the saying, every day is a good day to eat cake. Come on. <laughs> then in verse one of chapter three, it says this, that they set out from a place called Shatim. Now Shatim, might, uh, you might read this and not think much of it, but Shatim was a place where the Israelite people began to conform to their culture. They began to engage in immorality. They began to worship the idols of Shatim, drift away from God. So setting out from Shatim was in many ways not just a physical move, but a spiritual move. And we are leaving behind because in order for us to step into our promised land, we need to leave behind some things in Shatim. And can I tell you, sometimes when you step into a new season, there are some things you must leave behind in the old season. It reminded me this year, a few months ago, I traveled internationally. And you know, when you come back into the country, they ask you, you know, are, have you brought any livestock with you? Come on, right? Have you brought any vegetation, right? Come on. If you brought uh, some cattle with you into the country, you probably will not be getting back into the country. Come on. Uh, there are some things you cannot bring back with you. And can I tell you, there are some things in your past season you cannot bring into your future season. And sometimes those things can be immorality, they can be sin, sometimes they can be just things that are not necessarily sinful. Let me help you out. They're just not helpful. They're not helpful for you walking in your purpose. Here's what the author of Hebrews says. He says, let us throw off everything, not just sin, everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. Now, we all know if you're a follower of Christ, that there are sin, there's areas of our life that we need to, to leave behind, that we need to do our best and, and, and get into community and take our mask off and have people help us and support us and pray for us, and we need to repent of our sin. We know that, but there are some things that may not be sinful, but they are not necessarily helpful and that we need to leave behind. Maybe it's some unhealthy habits in your life. Again, they're not sinful, but they're just not helpful. Maybe there's some unhealthy relationships that if you are honest, that relationship is not, uh, is not helping you in your relationship with God, not pushing you forward in the purposes of God. They're actually pulling you back. Maybe some of you need to leave behind some insecurity so you can step out into the next season that God has for you. What is God asking you to leave behind? What is God asking you to throw off? Maybe you need to th throw off some pride and engage in some humility. Why? Because the Bible says pride comes before the fall. Maybe you need to throw off maybe a hold that money has on you so you can embrace generosity. Maybe you need to leave behind working so much and invest in your marriage. I don't know what it is for you you need to leave behind in this season, but you need to leave behind some things so you can walk in your purpose. And then verse five, he says this, consecrate yourselves, he tells the people, for tomorrow the Lord will do amazing things among you. That word consecrate then, what that meant was they were to actually wash their clothing and abstain from sex. Now the reason that was because they were engaging in great immorality and shatim. So he says, I want you to set yourself apart. That word consecration is a biblical word that simply means to live differently. Do you know, Jesus said it this way, you are to be salt and light. Uh, Paul said it this way, do not conform to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind. That we are not called to conform to the patterns of this world. That as followers of Jesus, we are called to live differently. 
We have a different set of standards. We have different aspects about who we are because of who we are in Christ. Paul said it this way, put on your new self created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. Maybe there are some things you need to leave behind and there are some things you need to put into practice in your life. Maybe you've been doing things kind of more isolated. You know of, people know a side of you, but no one knows all of you. And you need to get in some authentic Christian community so you can walk fully in the purpose that God has for you. Maybe some of you, you need to, to make God's word, make time with God a priority again. Maybe for some of you, they're, they're just whatever it is. What, what is it God is asking you in this next season to walk in your purpose? You need to add into your life. Leave some things behind and put on your new self, as Paul said. Here's point two, if you're taking notes. So the first one is remember what God's done. Second is listen for God's direction. Listen for God's direction. So he, Joshua gives them orders that I want you to follow the Ark of the Covenant. Now, the Ark of the Covenant was significant for, for mainly two, two main reasons. There, we could spend the next 10 minutes on the Ark of the Covenant, but I'll, I'll make it brief. The Ark of the Covenant carried the presence of God. And the Ark of the Covenant carried the word of God. So he says, I want you to follow behind the presence of God and the word of God. It's important that, listen, this is, this is, write this down, because sometimes if we're not careful, and I'll talk through specifically how we can be clear on that we're, the vision for our life, the purpose for our life is not something we've conjured up, but something God's leading us to do. Because sometimes if we're not careful, we can, we can develop our own vision and ask God to bless it. Instead of actually seeking him for his vision. And there are some Christians I've talked to, they are disappointed because they wonder why has not what I want come to pass. It's because it's what you want. And, and God's not trying to hold back from you. Can I tell you, God can do exceedingly abundantly and above more than you could ever ask, think, or imagine. It may not just look like what you think it looks like. So be careful we're not saying, God bless my plan. We say, God, what is your plan for my life? God, what is your vision for my life? God, what is the purpose that you have for me? Because if not, you will set yourself up for disappointment because you will wonder, why is God not blessing the plan for my life? I'm not saying don't make plans. I'm not saying, but make sure they're always submitted to God. He says, I want you to, to follow God's presence. I want you to follow his word. Can I just say this as well? God can make a way in your life where there is no way. God can open up doors that no man can shut. God can take you places that you could not on your best day, that no network can give you, no degree could bring to you, and no job will ever do for you. God can do things in your life. Can I tell you, I don't know what your church background is, but I want you to hear this. God is not in heaven desiring to take from you. God does not need you. Write that down. He is Lord. I am not. But watch this. But he wants you. This is so good. He does not need you, but he loves you, and he wants a relationship with you. So God is not this kind of needy boyfriend in heaven. He is Lord. And we are his sons and daughters. But he says, son, I love you and I choose you. Daughter, I love you and I choose you. And oh, if you just knew what I see, if you just knew the plans I have from you, you would never plan another day in your life without me. But it's not always easy because I love what Martin Luther King Jr. says. He says, faith is taking the first step without seeing the whole staircase. <laughs> Sometimes you're in that step, you're like, okay, where is this going, Jesus? Here's why, here's why, here's why. He wants you to trust in him and not in a plan. Because he knows if you saw the whole staircase and your Western cultural mind, you would be like, all right. I love this staircase. He's like, no, I want you to love me and walk with me and talk with me 
I'm off my notes now. I got to get back. We have to be submitted to the word of God. Joshua 1.8 says this, keep this book of law always on your lips. This is what the Lord tells Joshua in the beginning. Meditate on it day and night so you'll be careful to do everything written in it. Then you will be prosperous and successful. Listen, that word prosperous, some of you may get uncomfortable because you have bad connotations with prosperity in the Bible. That word prosperous simply means God will push you forward. So when you keep his word, here's the words of Jesus. He said, if you hear my word and you put it into practice, you will be blessed. God will push you forward as you keep his word. And again, remember, Joshua wasn't a pastor. He was a government leader. He's like, if you, as a leader in the government, leading a military, if you will keep my book of the law, I'll prosper you in your field. I'll prosper you where you are. Can I tell you, a vision from God involves the word of God. God God can speak outside of his word, but can I tell you the primary way God speaks is through his word. So so if you ever sense something, God leading you to do something, always go back to the word. What's the word have to say? Because if if what you feel God's telling you to do contradicts with his word, it's not God because he's not confused. (laughs) But we got to go to his word. I remember back in, in, this was now 12 years ago, we were praying about moving to DC to be a part of a local church. Again, I didn't see Catalyst. We didn't didn't see this church. I was reading Genesis chapter 12 where the Lord says to Abram, Abram, I want you to go to the land I will show you. Can you imagine getting that direction from God? (laughs) What do you want me to do? Go and I will show you. <laughs> All the scholars say too, he was a multimillionaire many times over. That Abram left, and back then they didn't have e-commerce, so he left the majority of his fortune to go after God. Because can I tell you, there are riches that far exceed the riches of this earth. That's why Jesus said, don't store up for yourselves treasures where moth and rust destroy, but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven. So, Abram goes. So when I read that in Genesis chapter 12, I felt the Holy Spirit, just strong feeling. Jeremy, I want you to move to the Washington DC area and I will show you the rest. I didn't see this. We moved up here to be a part of that local church. It was years later, God revealed to Christine and I, the calling of this church. But here's what I'm saying. As you are reading the word, when you're reading the Bible and you read something and it feels like something just jumps out at you, take note of that. Take note of, God, what are you saying to me through that passage, through that moment? The Bible's a living word. This vision for this next season came out of Joshua chapter 3. Start with the word of God. God will lead you through his spirit. Galatians 5.25 says this. Since we are living by the spirit, let us follow the spirit's leading in every part of our life. Many of you have heard this story, but even the the calling to start Catalyst Church here in Bethesda came during a time of prayer. We were praying about what was next for us, and we felt specifically, Christine and I, both separately, God was calling us to start a church for the Washington, D.C. area in Bethesda. We had no other connections here. I'm not saying that to somehow say, man, look at us. Not at all. I miss this a lot. Please hear this. But can I say I believe God was up to something when he said, go to Bethesda. <laughs> Would you agree, church? <laughs> that now we are here today because of a word from God. Why am I sharing that? God wants to speak to you and lead you and guide you in your moments with prayer and a worship service much like this. Be mindful. I encourage you to take notes in church, not to write down what Jeremy says, but to write down what God wants to say to you. Because God wants to say something to you. God may have direction for you. I know people who have, who have been in worship services and God has spoken a word to them for their business. God's spoken a word for them for their marriage because what? They're in the presence of God. God wants to lead you. But let me give you one kind of final thought on this is that to make sure, is this God or is this cold pizza? Come on, somebody. Is don't do it alone. A danger I see people get off is is you're like, the Lord told me. 
and someone's saying, I don't think the Lord told you to leave your wife. Come on, somebody. <laughs> right? And, and you're like, the Lord told me to do this thing. And it's contrary to God's word. But if you don't, listen, please write this down. If you have no one in your life that you're allowing to speak into your life, you become your own truth. And that is perhaps the most dangerous place you could ever be. Because what's true for you is true for you. And that sounds real sweet and nice. It's just not biblical. So you can have your truth. It's just not truth. It's fallacy. So you need to have people in your life. Let me say this. Godly counsel. There were 600,000 people going with Joshua that day. Come on. He had some people around him that were walking with him. The Bible says this. Where there is no guidance, people fall. But an abundance of counselors, there is victory. Do you have wise counsel in your life that you allow to speak into your life? But I want you to write this down because a lot of times we think we have counsel, but what we have is advisors. Here's the difference. Having godly counsel. Here's the difference that when they give you counsel, that's why you can't have like 35 people doing this, usually a handful. When they give you counsel on something, you listen to what they say. An advisor, you take in what they say, I'm going to do it my way anyway. That's not godly counsel. Because godly counsel is you give somebody else liberty to speak into your life. Can I tell you, I thank God for godly counsel in my life. It has saved me so many times. The first time when we felt the stirring of the vision we feel called to, the, one of the first people I called was Pastor Mark Batterson, one of our overseers, because he is one of the godly counsel voices in my life. Can I tell you, when you begin to submit to godly counsel, your spirit begins to yearn for godly counsel. When we started our, this church, we went to this organization called the Association of Related Churches. We planted the church through this organization. And we went to um, the training, and we had plans to start the church in September of 2019. And it was a good plan. Come on, anybody else, do you ever get proud of your plans? Come on, sorry, just be honest. It's okay, you can be honest. Like, you're like, I, I make good plans. And then we submit it to this organization and their leadership. And they say, we really feel like you should start the church in January, 2019. And when they first said it, I was like, man, there's no way. It was like eight months from that moment. I was like, how is this gonna happen in eight months? Many people take 12 to 18 months, but they were like, we we feel like you're ready. Can I tell you, because we started in January, 2019, we had 13 months as a church before the global pandemic happened. Can I tell you, God saw things we did not see. And he chose to speak through godly counsel in our life. And if we would have rebelled and not listened to godly counsel, which we had liberty to do, who knows what would have happened? Can I tell you, God will sometimes look out for you through somebody else. The question is, are you humble enough to listen to them? Or are you going to say, you know what? I'm good. And be careful because the Bible says pride comes before the fall. Fall. So, You got to listen for God's direction. He speaks through his word. He speaks through the leadership of his spirit and he speaks through godly counsel. Here's the last point is then you have to take a courageous step of faith. So the first two are a little more passive. You remember, you listen. Now you got to do something. Can I tell you faith is an action verb. The Bible says faith without action is dead. And we see Joshua 3.10 The Lord tells Joshua, then Joshua tells the people, this is how you're going to know the living God is among you. And you will certainly drive out before you the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Perizzites, the Hivites, the Gergesites, the Amorites, and the Jebusites. Here's what God tells Joshua. If you will take a step into the Jordan, I'm going to do all this for you. But you have to take a step first. All throughout Joshua, here's what you're going to see. God moves on behalf of the Israelite people, but he always asks them to take a step first. The Bible says in Proverbs 3, trust in the Lord with all of your heart. Lean not into your own understanding. In all of your ways, acknowledge him, and he will make your path straight. He wants you to trust in him. As I said earlier, God loves wet feet. Because wet feet tells him, you trust me. You don't trust the plan. And can I tell you, listen, sometimes we can think that faith is a leap of faith. Here's what you will not find in the Bible, a leap of faith. 
Here's what you find in the Bible. Steps of faith. Here's why the the enemy wants you to believe it requires leaps of faith because you will miss out on the steps of faith God has asked you to make waiting on the leap of faith that will never happen. Now in retrospect, some steps in retrospect will look like leaps, but it's just steps. It's one step at a time. What's God asking you to do today? What's God leading you to put on your heart to do today for you? Maybe you have a dream to launch a business, but today just go buy the domain name. (laughs) Maybe for you it's to have a child, but maybe for you just prepare the nursery room. Maybe for you it's to go back to school, but your next step is to begin to save some money for that moment. Are you hearing me church? Don't wait for the leap or it'll be 40 years from now. You're wondering, man, I never took that leap (laughs) because God was saying, I was just trying to get you to take a step. Take a step of faith and see what God does. Because when we step, God moves. We walk by faith and not by sight. And listen, there was uncertainty. They they came to the Jordan at flood stage. Here's what the the scholars say. At flood stage, the, the water would have been more than 10 feet high when they went up to the Jordan River. So definitely above their heads, they would have easily drowned of what he was calling them to do and to step into. But here's, here's what I want, I want to submit to you. It's that sometimes God will ask for you to take a step into the impossible in what seems to be very improbable. God, listen, do not wait for perfect circumstances to take your step of faith. God loves to do his best work in imperfect circumstances. Because listen, if the Jordan River was three feet We would not be talking about this right now. But what made the Jordan River amazing, it was over 10 feet deep. And God caused the river to stand up in heaps. So sometimes, listen, the reason we miss out on the impossible, because we are unwilling to trust God in the improbable. And sometimes we live a very predictable life, a life that makes sense. May I submit to you as someone who, listen, it's important to plan. And I think once God speaks, as we've done with this church, can I be honest? I I, I wish more than anything, when I came before you this morning about talking about us having a permanent home, I wish I could say, and here it is. But can I tell you, God challenged me. And he said, Jeremy, you don't need a plan. You just need my word. Stop waiting for the plan. Step out on his word. Here's what I believe. You, if you live in this area, you know this. Finding a building in Bethesda can seem to some as a three-year-old church improbable. But here's the good news. I worship a God who makes the impossible possible. Some of you, maybe a doctor has says you are too old to have a child, but I have good news for you. We have a God who makes the impossible possible. There are some people who said there is no way that business will be successful, but I have good news for you. God makes the impossible possible. And there are things in your life that maybe you feel like, man, this is not probable, but God makes the impossible possible. Will you trust him in the imperfect circumstances, even when things do not make sense? So I'm fast forwarding now. They cross the Jordan River. In chapter four, my final scripture I want to read to you. It says this, Joshua called now together the 12 men he had appointed from the Israelites, one from each tribe, and said to them, go over the ark of the Lord your God in the middle of the Jordan. Each of you is to take up a stone on his shoulder according to the number of the tribes of Israelites to serve as a sign among you. In the future, when your children ask you what did these stones mean, tell them that the flow of the Jordan was cut off Before the Ark of the Covenant of our Lord, when it crossed the Jordan, the waters of the Jordan were cut off. The stones are to be a memorial to the people of Israel forever. Here's what God tells them. That that what what you embarked on, that, that Joshua and the Israelites crossing the Jordan River, I want you to hear this. It was not just about their generation. And here's how you know a vision is from God. Here's a few signs. Oftentimes, it's very uncomfortable. (laughs) God's less concerned about your comfort and more concerned about your character. Here's another one I want want to submit to you. It's never just about you and our generation because we have a generational God. 
How is he referred to? The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Do you know what he communicates? He cares about the generations. And you know what God spoke to me about this church? That we are building a church, not just for this generation, but for generations to come. What we are doing here is not just for us. All that God wants to do in and through Catalyst Church is not just for us to experience. We will not even experience a close to the fullness of what God has for this church. But we are not, we, we are not temporally minded. <laughs> we are eternity minded. We are generationally minded. That I am building a church not just for my children, but for their children and their children and their children and their children. And not just my children, but all children for generations to come. And can I tell you the vision that God gives you, it's not just about you or your generation. Because here's why, if you will, sometimes you won't step out in faith. Because you might think to yourself, well, what is this going to do? This is going to cost me more as a 60-year-old person stepping out in faith than it will benefit me. Exactly. It's not just about you. Can I tell you, there are things in my life now that even as an as a almost 40-year-old man, almost, I'm still in my 30s. Come on, somebody. <laughs> Holding on to it, Jesus. My hair has been in, in, in its 40s for a long time, but it's a whole other story. But here's what I know. God is calling me to things that I know I will not see. But it's not about me. It's about him and about generations to come. So with that said, we have a gift for you. Our team's going to pass out to you. And we're going to close today. And I want to just, just give you this gift and talk through what you are receiving today. And then we're going to close our service. You are receiving a packet of information. And as soon as you get it, you can open it up. And it has some information about our next season. Um, and if you're watching online, if you go to our website, uh, on the front page, homepage, there's a link towards our Believe website where you can click on that. But you'll see there's a brochure here that you can pick up, take out of the packet. You can leaf through it. It's the larger one here. And this has, if you leaf through it, it talks about a little bit about some things I've shared today, our history, God's faithfulness, as well as this next season, the three major areas of focus. Expansion, expanding what God has done or what God is doing here at the church, which a big part of that is positioning ourselves for a permanent home, the next generation, and then mission. Uh, you'll then see uh, in the back here some frequently asked questions about this campaign, uh, which I want to speak to for a moment. Uh, so this initiative, Believe Initiative, um, and I'm going to share some key dates um, is we are believing over the next two years to steward the growth that God is bringing us and to position ourselves for a permanent home. We are believing for $3.5 million to come in over two years. Uh, now here's, uh, you'll see kind of the back page kind of talks a little bit about that. We believe in conversations with our CFO and conversations with architects that 3.5 million over two years is going to enable us to steward the growth God's bringing and position us for a permanent home in this area with right now current plans that we would move into a facility uh, in 2025 that would serve as a home and a hub for all of the ministry God has for Catalyst Church. And if that excites you, can you say Amen. Now, here's a little bit different to this initiative, and you'll see some frequently asked questions answers this. Um, what this is called is a 3.5 million is not a separate campaign, not a separate fund. That's all in giving to Catalyst Church. So here's what that means for you. We're not kind of having a separate fund saying we're raising 3.5 million. It's all going to our general operating fund to cover all of our operating costs. So all of our ministry costs, operational costs, personnel costs, facility costs, and positioning us for a permanent home. Uh, what some call this is kind of a one fund, meaning it's not like a separate fund that we'll be giving to. So with that said, the other little booklet you have in there is called a commitment guide. And this walks you through some questions to prayerfully go through, some activities, talks about ways that you can give towards this uh, via income streams, 
delayed expenditures, freedom from debt, giving assets, stocks, bonds, real estates, those kind of things. And then it taught at the very back of that booklet, you'll see it has a portion where you can see it says my current uh, annual giving to the church plus what I believe. And I want you to hear this. Here's what we are asking every person because what this is about, and I want you to hear this. If you're reading, just look up for a moment. This is about taking a step of faith where God is leading us. But here's what I know. God cares a lot about finances. Jesus himself said, you cannot love both God and money where your treasure is, your heart will be. So here's what I know. Whenever God's asking us to give, can I just help you out? It's never about money. It's all about your heart. God is is less concerned about our finances only to the extent that it involves our heart and it involves our heart. So that's why we're asking every person as you prayerfully over the next four weeks to go on a journey with us and to prayerfully ask God, God, how would you have for me to commit to the Believe Initiative, these areas over the next two years? A couple things I'll mention. On November 4th, uh, we are having an advanced commitment service. All of our dream team and leaders will be invited to that service uh, as we make our commitments before all of the church. Now, if you are, would want to be a part of that, we're going to send out information about that. You can take part of that worship service as we make our commitments together on November 4th. And then November 13th is Believe Commitment Sunday, uh, where we are going to, as a church together, And we're going to have access for those of you who are online as well to make that commitment online. We will make our commitments in faith together. Let me say this as well. Hear this from me as a heart of your pastor. There is no pressure now or will ever be to give to Catalyst Church. Can I get an amen? This is no pressure. If you feel like, man, I asked God and he's, I don't feel, that's okay. There's no pressure. This is a faith journey. We are stepping out together. Uh, and that's what we're doing. And then December 4th, that's the last date. So November 4th is Advanced Commitment Service. November 13th is our Believe Commitment Sunday. And then December 4th is our Believe Offering Sunday. We'll bring our first offering towards our Believe Commitments on that Sunday. And some of you, here's my challenge for you, and we're going to close, is there are some of you, you're like all in. Uh, You hear this and you're like, I already know what I'm going to do. Here's my challenge for you over the next four weeks is just to go on this journey of faith and asking God, God, what is it you have for me? Because can I tell you as your pastor, here's what I want more than anything is that you hear from God and do what he says. That is my biggest hope is every person who calls this church home hears from God and does what he says, because here's what I know. God will do exceedingly abundantly and above more than we could ask or imagine our church. And I know this, whenever you step out in faith, because Jesus said, when you do this, blessed you will be when you hear from heaven and you do what God says that God will do exceedingly and abundantly and above in your life as well. So I want to challenge you. And maybe there are some of you in the room, you are more business-minded, kind of numbers-focused, and maybe kind of your number, again, you kind of already have in your head. Again, go on this journey with us. Go on the journey with us. And maybe you're here and you hear this and you are highly skeptical. Maybe a previous church experience. I understand. We're sensitive to that. Here's my invitation to you. Go on the journey with us and come to next steps. We talk all about our financial structures, all of those behind the scenes. We go through efforts to make sure that Catalyst Church is a place you can trust because at the end of the day, we are stewarding God's vision and God's resources. Can I get amen? None of this is ours. It's all his. I close the story. And this story might speak to some of you. We were, we were newly married, and the church we were a part of were doing exactly what we were doing. Now, we were moving to D.C. in two months. Remember, God spoke to us to move up here. So I was like, all right, we're, we're kind of, we're going. So I'm not going to give to this offering because we're, we're leaving. Christina came home one day, and she said, Jeremy, I feel like God spoke to me. We're supposed to give to this offering. And I said, you did not hear from the Lord because we're moving to D.C. <laughs> I'm not going to be here in Virginia Beach. But as I prayed about it, remember praying, ask God, God put a number on my heart. At that point in our life, it was the largest gift we'd ever given. 
Can I tell you, we gave to a building we have never sat in or seen. But here's what I know. It's been built. Here's what I know. Every weekend, lives are being changed. And here's what I know. Lives will be changed for generations to come. Here's my encouragement to you. Some of you, you hear this and you're like, Jeremy, I will not be here in two years. I will not be here in one year, in six months. Ask God. Because here's what I know in my own experience. God still may have a part for you to play. The Bible says this in Ephesians 4. When every joint supplies, the Lord builds the body of Christ up in love. And God wants to do exceedingly abundantly and above in our lives. Can you bow your heads with me, church? I want to pray with two groups briefly this morning. Number one, if you're here and you feel stirred personally, seeking your life personally, you feel stirred to step out in faith. You feel stirred to take a step of faith in your life into what God has for you personally. I want to pray for you. So that's you, right where you are, no one looking around. I want you to lift your hand right where you are. So that's me, Jeremy. I feel stirred to stake, take a step of faith in my life personally. Awesome. Put your hands down. I want to ask one more question. If you're here this morning, before any step you take, even just disregard the portion I just said, because before you do anything, can I tell you, God has already done something for you. He gave his son Jesus to die on a cross for the forgiveness of your sins so you can have eternal life with him. If you've never made a decision to follow Christ or you once did, but you've drifted away from him and you need to make a recommitment this morning, I wanna pray for you right where you are. So that's you on the count of three. No one looking around. This is the most important decision you can make. God loves you. He is for you. He has eternal life for you. A fresh start here on earth. I just wanna know how I'm praying with you in the room. On the count of three, lift up your hand high enough and long enough just so I can see it. Ready? One, two, three. Lift it up. That's me. That's me. Awesome. Awesome. That's great. I'm gonna pray with both groups, both online and here in person. First with that first group, then with that second group. So Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray for every person who feels stirred to take a personal step of faith. God, I pray that as you have spoken to them, they would have the courage and the boldness to take a step and trust you. God, they would see their own Jordan River part in their life. They would see your faithfulness and your goodness and your grace and your mercy in the name of Jesus. Church, with those who are making a decision to follow him today, let's pray this prayer under our breath. It's a declaration of our faith in him. To say, Lord Jesus, I thank you for loving me. I thank you for going to the cross and giving your life for me. I believe you rose again, and I profess that you are Lord of my life. I ask that you lead me and you guide me in this life all the way into eternity with you in the name of Jesus. Amen and amen. Hey, church, put our hands together for those who made that decision today. If you did two things, we'd love to know about it. Either that online connection card online or here in person, you can bring it with you to the guest services area. And we have a gift for you. You have a Bible to put in your hands. Uh, but we're going to transition now, church, into a time of worship with uh, giving, bringing up our tithes and giving of our offering. You'll see behind me and on the screens of ways that you can honor God in your giving. And just to encourage you, and in, in even in line with our message, out of 2 Corinthians 8, 7, I love this scripture because the Apostle Paul writes pastorally. He says, as you excel in everything, in faith, in speech, in knowledge, in complete earnestness, and in love, we have kindled in you see that you also excel in the grace of giving. And church, can I tell you, you are a church that excels in the grace of giving. Your generosity is changing lives. I want to thank you for your faithful and consistent generosity. Church, we can go ahead and pray over the offering. Father, we thank you for your goodness and your grace to us. And in our giving, we are simply returning what you've done for us as an act of worship. We love you. We honor you in the name of Jesus. Amen. Hey, church, one more time. Put our hands together for all of our guests who are with us today. Yeah, I just want to take a moment again, remind you if you're tuning in online, you can click that digital connection link. But if you're in the room, you can bring that connection card to the guest services area. We have a gift for you just to say thanks for joining us. 
And if you are joining us on 1022, I'd encourage you, if you haven't signed up for a project, please go ahead and do that today. You should have received uh, one of these QR codes on your way in. And you can actually pick up your t-shirt and we have kids t-shirts. So if you're bringing the family, we have fresh kids shirts in. Please stop by the table directly out in the lobby. There's a big believe sign back there. You can't miss it and grab your t-shirts. Awesome. Yeah, we look forward to seeing you for Serve Day next Saturday. And if your shirt has a strong scent to it, go ahead and grab a new one, okay? Uh, but also, Next Steps is happening after our next service. We'd love to have you come back about 1245 and see you there. And uh, with that said, church, you can stand to your feet. And as you stand, I want to invite you to come back for each week of this series as we go on a journey uh, together as God speaks to us as a church. Go ahead and receive his blessing before you go. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May he make his face shine upon you and be so gracious to you. May he give you great peace in every relationship and every area of your life. In the name of Jesus, amen and amen. We love you so much, church. We'll see you next Sunday.